0: Today's sermon is the next to last in this Entrusted series where we've been thinking about everything that God has entrusted to us. And I mean everything. Uh, we've talked about creation. We've talked about our vocational callings. Um, we've talked about last week, our, in very general terms, every type of gift and resource that God has blessed us with. And today, we're going to turn our attention uh, to probably the most personal of all of the things and and probably the thing we think about more than anything else, at least practically, it's part of everyday life, just like Ryan explained earlier, our our wealth, our finances. Um, I think more than any other people on Earth, um, for Americans, our money is literally the bottom line in our lives. The Tuesday's election, this last Tuesday, uh, you know, there are all kinds of surveys leading up to the election, what people cared about. Um, Pew Research Center published some survey results less than a month ago on October 20th. And they they listed 18 categories of things that they were curious what what mattered most to voters as they got ready for Tuesday. Um, In a national survey, uh, far and away, the number one answer was the economy. Um, since then, I've heard lots of different surveys, you know, targeting different things, and it seems like they could find surveys to, to say whatever they wanted to. But, but that didn't surprise me too much, and it probably doesn't surprise you that we think often about money—how much we have, what are we going to do with it—and uh, of course, if you've been around church for a while, you know that God says a lot about money in the Bible. Jesus spoke about money more than anything else uh, in in the gospel books. I want to share with you a few quotes um, this morning. And the the first one is from John MacArthur, and it really kind of puts this in perspective. Uh, He says, 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus spoke of deal with money. One out of 10 verses in the New Testament deals with money. Scripture offers about 500 verses on prayer. Fewer than 500 on faith, but over 2,000 on money. The believer's attitude toward money and possessions is determinative. Um, So obviously, just just how significant it is. Then uh, the late Billy Graham had this to say, kind of talking about the perspective of money. He said, if a person gets his attitude toward money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area in his life. That's That's what Billy Graham had to say about that. I hope, among other things, that by the time we're done today, we, we won't think of money as just a part of, of life. It's a financial obligation, or it's just something that, that's kind of separate from our faith. Um, money and, and our dealing with our wealth is, is so connected with who we are as Christians. As we follow Christ, that should have direct implications on what we do with our money. And, and our financial resources. So in, in the message today, we're gonna to kind of begin by, by thinking about our attitude, our, our perspective on our wealth. We're gonna start by uh, going all the way back to the creation story in Genesis chapter one. And even though this passage doesn't mention money at all, um, there's some things for us to build on that are, that are very significant out of this. So I invite you to follow along with me. Genesis chapter one, starting in verse 27. So God created humankind in His image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth. And every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. So we're going to pull out really quickly three um, things we need to keep in mind from this passage. Again, the passage doesn't speak about money at all, but is foundational to, to our attitude about money in our own lives. First, God has given us dominion. God has given us control, power, authority. In this passage, it talks about the, uh, we're given dominion over the fish and the animals and, and all of those kinds of things. But that applies to dominion, power over our resources, over our money as well. Um, of course, that can be used, that dominion we have, that power we have can be used for good or for bad. The second thing is, is that just the true bottom line fact that God has given us these things. We're going to dive into this a little bit uh, in just a few minutes, but, but we can't jump past the fact that what we have... Is given to us that what we have has been a blessing that God has has given us the opportunity to have in our lives Um, and as we looked at last week if you were here last week as we talked about the parable of the talents we were reminded that we were given these things not just selfishly to hoard and to use for our own wants and our own benefits but we're given them to use for a greater purpose we're giving all of these things to be used for the master's purpose. And then from this passage, the third thing, the very last line, is that God created these things. God put this in motion. God gave us dominion. And God declared it was very good. It was very good. Of course, since that, uh, sin has crept into the world. Selfishness, greed, all the things that, that make this a broken and hard world to live in. But if we think back to this creation story, how God created, God gave us dominion, God gave us everything, when we use what God has given us for God's kingdom and purpose, it's a very good thing. Things look different when we use those resources, when we use our wealth and finances for God's purposes. It can be a very good thing. When we first started the sermon series back on October 16th, I, I, one of the questions I posed at the very beginning was, was just this mindset, um, and I'll, I'll bring it up again. Is what you have, specifically your money, is that really, truly yours, or is the money given to you by God and, and trusted to you by God for you to be a steward of? And we're going to continue to wrestle with that today, because that really changes Everything, at least it does for me, when I think about my money or God's money that God's entrusted me with. Um, and, then, and as a side note before we move on here, I've mentioned this before, but this has been so true in my own life. Um, when we talk about our resources and how I found, and I think others have found, that, that when you hold on to them tightly, when you keep them for yourself, whatever it is, money or other things, just how small and empty and meaningless life gets. But when we live with our resources, when we're willing to open them up to God and God's purposes, when we're willing to share them, to loosen our grip on them, that's when true joy comes into life. That's when significance and meaning and purpose enters our world, enters our lives. So if you're in one of those stages of life where, gosh, life just seems to be kind of pointless. I wonder what life should really be all about. Think about how you're dealing with your resources, how you're dealing with your money, because there's usually a direct correlation there. The closer we hold things to ourselves, the tighter we hold on to them, The less free we are to offer them to God, um, the more we miss out on the joy that God has for us. So keep that in mind as well. Our second passage of Scripture we're going to look at is in the book of Deuteronomy, staying in the Old Testament, but flipping over a few books. And in this passage, uh, God is, is driving home a little bit of what we've already talked about. But God is reminding His people... Uh, at this time I brought you out of uh, out of slavery in Egypt and I'm taking you to a promised land that's better than you can ever imagine and this is what God says to his people and to us in Deuteronomy 8 starting in verse 7 for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land a land with flowing streams with springs and underground waters welling up in valleys and hills a land of wheat and barley of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land where you may eat bread without scarcity, where you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and from whose hills you may mine copper. You shall eat your fill and bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes which I am commanding you today. When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself forgetting the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness an arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions. He made water flow for you from the flint rock and fed you in the wilderness with manna that your ancestors did not know, to humble you and test you, and in the end to do you good. Do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors." as he is doing today. So in in summary, God is saying, I brought you from a very, very bad place where you had next to nothing to eat. And I'm taking you to a very, very good place where you will have more food than you can eat, more resources than you know what to do with, and I will grow and expand those resources. But when you get there, don't forget who gave this to you. Don't forget that it was God who blessed you in this way. As God said in verse 17, I'm just going to repeat them again. Do not say for yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. So, so that, that's, that's the, the overarching view, the, the attitude, the perspective of whatever we have. No matter how much is in our checking account, no matter how much the stock market goes up and down, what we have has been entrusted to us by God. So I'm gonna get very practical in, in the next few minutes. I'm kind of a practical person and I think money for us is a practical topic. Um, so we're gonna look at, at, at three more things. Uh, two that are, two that are, I hesitate to say this, two that are biblical and one that's not from the Bible. Yeah, so the first one is, is an Old Testament principle The Old Testament example of the first fruits. Um, Deuteronomy 26. This is one example of this. Deuteronomy 26, starting in verse 1. When you've come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first fruit of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket. And go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling place for his name. So this concept, as is, is Ryan already talked about with the kids, that the fact that it's not the leftovers, especially when it comes to our money, that we're giving to God. But this age-old religious practice of giving the first of the harvest. The first of the paycheck. And throughout Scripture in the Old Testament, this, this was for different purposes. Um, Sometimes it was given to the the priests, to God's servants, to provide for them. Other times it was directed to go to the poor and those that had no support, had no help, to help them directly. But practically speaking, as we talk about our finances, remembering to give back to God, not the last, not the leftovers, but the first of what we have. The second principle is also from the the Old Testament, and that's the the Jewish and Christian principle of tithing. Um, Tithe, of course, means 10%. In Scripture, the the word or the term tithe was first used in Genesis 14 um, when Abraham had just won a battle and he gave 10% of the war spoils to um, the high priest at that time, Melchizedek. So that's when it began, but it it continues to evolve and, of course, is is a part of of Scripture throughout the Old Testament. We'll look at 2 Chronicles, uh, some verses from chapter 31. And this is speaking of the king at that time, the king of God's people, Hezekiah. 2 Chronicles 31, verse 4. Hezekiah commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites, so that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the word spread, the people of Israel gave in abundance the first fruits of grain, wine, oil, honey, and of all the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. For those of us that have been a part of church for quite a while, we probably remember from Sunday school days talking about giving 10% back to the church. And, and that's, that's what we continue to talk about today today. Um, and I encourage you, if that's something you haven't considered or thought of, um, it's, it's something to consider now. I used to think, gosh, I can't afford to give 10%. Um, I just don't make enough. And I've come over the years to realize that if I can't give 10% of $10, um, it's, it's not a whole lot different if, I have to get, if I'm asked to give 10% of $1,000. Um, 10% is 10%. Um, But I do want to make the the statement, uh, if this is something new to you or if this is something you're kind of wrestling with or just in one of those financial situations, the fact that you may give less than 10% in no way means that God is going to love you less. And the fact if you give 10% or more, that in no way means that God is going to love you and bless you more. Some preachers preach about that and go down the road of a prosperity gospel um, that that our congregation doesn't adhere to. God's love for you and desire to know you and be a part of your life isn't connected to how much you give or don't give. God loves you way more than that. But this is an opportunity for us to connect with God in a very important way of, of our lives, which is our finances. So I said I'll also talk about something that's not in the Bible. And as far as I know, budgeting is, is not mentioned in the Bible specifically. But as uh, is, is a practical sense, um, you know, the, the way I look at budgets and, and dealing with our finances with a plan is exactly that. If you don't have a plan in p- place for your money, everything goes out the window. Um, you don't know where it goes. You're usually scrambling for, for money at the end of the month. Um, all those kind of things. So as we think about giving our money to God through God's church, um, I encourage you to think about how the budget, how a budget works for you. Um, again, with those principles of the first fruits and the principles of, of the tithe, the 10%. There's a lot of, of Christian financial advisors out there that, that say that they advise people when they, they come to think about planning, how are they going to to use their money or spend their money or invest their money. Um, number one, top of the list, give 10% to God. Number two, second on the list, give 10% to yourself, usually through savings or something like that. And then the rest kind of falls into place after that. But practically speaking, um, you know, this is, this is uh, again, I hope more than just a financial exercise for you. I hope that as we all strive to follow Jesus more closely we'll see the opportunity here that that God wants to be connected to this aspect of our life. That this is an opportunity for us to join God in what God is doing through this congregation and in the world beyond this congregation. And it's an opportunity to use usually what is the most important thing to us as Americans our checkbook to do that in one final quote. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of, of Adrian Rogers. He's an old preacher, but, but he has, has this to say, and I, I want to see what you think about this. Adrian Rogers says, God doesn't, need to us, God doesn't need us to give him our money. God owns everything. Tithing is God's way to grow Christians. I, I, I like and I'm drawn to that last statement he makes. God, tithing is God's way to grow Christians. I think there's some truth to that. There's a connection there when we open up our, our finances to God for God's purposes that, that our faith grows. Our willingness to be, be open to God grows. Um, and, and while I say, yeah, God doesn't need our money, um, I'll just say the church does. To Turn on the lights here on Sunday morning uh, to, for the maintenance of this building, for um, the staff, for the ministries that we're involved in, the teenagers that are on retreat this weekend, our Wednesday evening meal, the mission trips we take, on and on and on and on. That takes money, we, we know that. Um, so tithing, giving of our first fruits to God through the church is very, very significant. And this is also very important to us as, as we are in this transition, as, as the pastor search committee looks to to recommend a candidate to to be our next lead pastor these are very practical things that that in my estimation any candidate is going to be asking about this church how much does this church give how much does this church how how willing are we to support missions with our finances and with our time and other resources so there's all kinds of of practical implications for this very, very spiritual topic. Next Sunday is what we call Commitment Sunday. Um, I just got this in the mail uh, yesterday. Uh, Carol and I received this at our house, our annual commitment card. I invite you to to take this, and and if you haven't got one of these, check with the church office um, and get one. But what this is, is us making our commitment to God's work through this congregation for the next year. It's important for multiple reasons, but I, my, what I hope you hear is that instead of just making this a financial exercise, to make this a spiritual practice. Talk to God about it. Ask God, God, am I doing the right thing? Listen to God's voice in this aspect of your life as we strive to listen to him and the other aspects of our lives as well. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you. For being with us today we thank you for for the old old scriptures we looked at and read earlier that reminded us that everything comes from you that reminds us that you have called us to be stewards that we have the privilege and the opportunity and the responsibility to use what you've given us for your kingdom and your glory thank you for that opportunity thank you for wanting to be involved in our lives in that way and for giving us the opportunity to be involved in your work in that way. God, thank you for meeting us here. Help us to hear what you have to say to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As we prepare to sing our final song together, uh, this is our time of response in in the service. Um, I invite you, however it is that God is, is speaking to your heart this morning, that you respond. Uh, if you would like to talk or pray, I'll be right outside the doors to my right over here and welcome, welcome you and look forward to talking with you. If this is a congregation that you feel like I want to be a part of and want to support, this is also a time we can talk about that together. But I invite you to stand with me and let's respond as God leads us.